Happy 9-11 Happy 9-11 Happy 9-11 Oh yeah It was a September morning The smell of freedom rang in the air but then some fucking terrorists from whose Becky 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 stand came to ruin the way that Americans fucking rock and roll. <laughs> All right. Uh, perhaps this seems insensitive. It's not. Uh, 9-11 was my first day of, well, actually, let's break it down. 9-11 was my first day of 10th grade back in 2001, and I remember my buddy Danny Raskin came running up to me and saying, right before English class at around 8.15 in the morning at the Calhoun School, a very bougie private school in the Upper West Side of Manhattan, Danny came running up to me and he's just like, Duval, or Chow, as he called me, he said, Chow, a, uh, a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. I was like, shut up, Danny, come on, we're late for class. And then, like, another, like, ten minutes go by. We're getting ready to go into class, like, 8.25 or sometime around there. Uh, Danny comes running up to me. He's just like, Duval, ciao, another plane hit the World Trade Center. I said, ah, phooey, come on, we're late for English. Next thing I know, we're in Riverside Park. Uh, our teachers told us that we had to, like, evacuate the school because in all our narcissism at the Calhoun School, uh, we, of course, thought that uh, a terrorist attack after the World Trade Center was going to happen to our, like, 150-person private school in the Upper West Side. Uh, so, naturally, they corralled us out into an open field to uh, hide us from the next terror attack. And, uh, yeah, that was the prelude to many things that happened after that. Um, I, this is not going to be an entire 9-11 episode because there's just way too much, way too much to unpack there. Um, but I do remember... Uh, the most vivid thing about that day is standing in Riverside Park because we have PTSD, you know, and I'll, and I'll kind of revisit that. Culturally, we have PTSD from 9-11 and it was never really resolved. Uh, we kind of like thought that we addressed it in the moment, but like a lot of crazy shit happened to us culturally and we never really processed that uh, as a nation, I don't think. And that's where we are today or that's the reason we are where we are today. And uh but separate from that, yeah, so I remember sitting in Riverside Park, and this guy, a businessman, quote-unquote, uh, had his blazer in one arm, his uh, briefcase in another hand, and he was covered head to toe in white soot, and he looked like this white ghost just walking up Riverside Drive, this uh, procession of people, because the trains were shut down, so everyone had to walk from the financial district back to wherever they lived uptown. And that always stood out to me, like that white ghost. This white, white ghost, this white guy, uh, walking up Riverside Drive, uh, covered in white soot from the ashes of the World Trade Center or the, uh, you know, uh, destruction of it. And that set forth into motion a generation of people who uh, have not really processed what it means to be uh, under constant attack or from an invisible enemy, which is very much where we are now. And I think people in my age group kind of like, maybe tacitly have a sense of familiarity with COVID-19, this sort of invisible enemy that we were fighting back in the early aughts of a terrorism. You know, we have that high state of alert at all times, that constant panic attack mode. But at the time, I was fucking 15, 16 years old. 
So we made jokes about it, which is why I sang that ridiculous song just a moment ago. I remember we would just stand on the plaza of my school, just making jokes, being like, yeah, you better be careful, man. Those Lucada Al tenants, they're going to come for you, man. And like 50 fucking blocks away, we could smell the still burning rubble of the World Trade Center. But we were 16 and no one told us like what it meant, what the fuck was happening. And I don't know how exactly that ties into today, but there is definitely that energy of this sort of a, a rudderless ship where Bush was this sort of fucking, not sort of, he was an ineffectual, well, we're going to, you know, terrorism, get him, hmm. And now we have sort of a, a, another perversion or another permutation of ineffectual leadership in the form of Donald Trump. But uh, done differently, obviously. I don't know. It's a very interesting sort of parallel. But people don't people forget how horrible Bush was. And that's why when people try to get down on Trump, I'm like, no, no, there was it was worse. I, I still maintain that the eight years under Bush are vastly worse and still feeling the, the direct results of than we will ever feel in four to eight years of Trump. Trump is just louder and more vocal about how he's fucking us over. Bush was more like, oh, gee, Willikers, <laughs> guess we're not going to fund that inner city program. <laughs> oh, okay, we're going to do a bunch of wars and get their oil. <laughs> uh, so it really bothers me when people try to like freak out about Trump. And I'm like, we've, we've done this before. Bush was definitely worse. Uh, he was just quiet about it. And you people can't handle the, handle the directness of Trump. Anyway, uh, I hope if you lost someone in 9-11, you have seen therapy for that because that's fucking horrible. Um, Yeah, I don't know. People really kind of don't remember what that time... Remember uh, terror alerts? Remember on TV, it'd be like, the terror alert is orange. And we're like, okay, so what does that mean? Be somewhat racist to Arabs? Yes, that sounds good, you know. Um, and we have a similar version of that with this COVID-19 thing. Um, and I'm too, I don't really care to to fucking intellectualize the overlaps of the correlations between the two, but they're there. So how about it? Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, I just, that's the last time. I don't know. I remember, I remember 9-11 like in my body, but I don't remember it like intellectually anymore or perhaps the opposite. Yeah. I remember it intellectually. Like I remember like, okay, we're going to Iraq. Weapons of mass destruction. Okay, this is all horseshit. Oh, there are no weapons of mass destruction. Okay. Uh, okay, 17 years later, we're still there. What? I don't know. People just... Oh, the Patriot Act. You know, we are still... <laughs> we are enjoying the fruits of the Patriot Act, and we kind of forget that it happened. And, uh, you know, again, I always tell people, Trump is a symptom. He's not the problem. You know, us laughing and smiling every time Obama was on the goddamn Tonight Show or Joe Biden was on Law & Order SVU as sitting vice president of the United States normalized the reality TV show star president that we now have. So we are all complicit in the nightmare that we're living in. And I think we really try to do a good job of uh, making an other out of the people we hate. <sighs> Ouch, my 30s. Uh, <laughs> start thinking about this shit more, but realizing there's less you can do about it. <laughs> yeah, that's the catch. Um, that's another thing, too. You know, when people, you know, because Facebook is obviously, social media is the devil. Social media is why we have the problems that we have now. And people are just like, no, it's, it's Trump supporters. No, no, no. It's social media and the Telecommunications Act of 1996, which allowed media companies to own more properties than they were legally previously allowed to own. 
So companies used to be able to own only, or there used to be 400 different media uh, conglomerates out there. Now there's seven. So that should tell you about the state of polarized media today. Oh, God. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, but how on social media, people try to post these examples of like a worst case scenario about a group, right? They post like a Karen video, like white women like screaming. Uh, I saw one where they dubbed over like zombie sound effects to like white quote unquote Karens like going crazy on people. And it's hilarious. But that logic doesn't, isn't like a certain type of white woman's terrible. The problem is that you can apply that to any group, you know, because on the same front, you know, you do that with cops where it's like, look at these cops, like just beating people. Or if you're a racist, you're like, look at these black people, like knocking shit over and like looting and like robbing people. Or if you hate terrorists, like our Arabs, <laughs> I'm racist. You see what I did there? <laughs> a- uh, disclaimer, terrorists and Arabs are not the same thing. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. With any group, you can find examples of them being shitty, make a meme out of it, share it, and then think that verifies your point. And that's the state of society that we live in now. And that's this does tie into 9-11, where we perfected or began that path of making an entire large group of millions of people reduced to these, like, so small example. I mean, I guess I'm just talking about prejudice and, like, and, and just being a bigot in general. But we use it as this, like, uh, indefatigable argument where you make a meme about a certain group being shitty. And it goes all ways. And that's the part I don't think people are connecting on. Where whether it's cops, black people, white women, Arab Americans, uh, homosexuals, whoever, you can find... The point is we're all fucking crazy. And the ability to find a bunch of of examples of people being crazy in a certain group of people and being able to make a meme out of it to further your point or your your agenda on social media just shows that there's a deeper issue here. It's not that black people are criminals or all cops are bad or white women be be tripping. white, White women do be tripping. But the point is, is that in our narcissism in this media landscape we've created, we've, I don't know, we've just fucking become monsters. Does that make sense? I don't know. It's been a long day. Like, I just hate how right everyone thinks they are. It's like, no, everyone has a point. Yes, there are horrible cops. Yes, there are less horrible cops. I mean, you know, and also, look, there are horrible black people. (laughs) And there are awesome black people. And there are horrible, it's so on and so forth. But it seems like people are able to, like, pat themselves on the back by being able to say, ah, see, I don't know. Uh, this is just all, I'm just sick of everyone arguing because everyone like we, we're all wrong, myself included. Like no one is entirely right, and we've created a media landscape where we think somehow that's a possibility that you could possibly be entirely right. Where an entire voter block, 50 million Americans, whoever, whatever the amount voted for Trump, or 35 million Americans, they're all bad. That's an insane assertion. And the same thing with fucking to be a, a fucking redneck who's like. They're looting and, and, and burning their own neighborhoods. No, they're not all, like, not all people who are out in the street are there for destruction. You know, it's like, come on, guys. We're, we're better than this. And, uh, you know, 9-11, I think, had a lot to do with uh, dividing this country and seeing George Bush. Anyway, uh, I had a good day. I went to physical therapy. 
Um, making a lot of progress. Feeling better. Also, you know, I didn't drink all week, which is like, oh, good for you, Neville. But I'm trying to do a thing where, like, kind of Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday, I'm drinking right now. Um, Monday through Thursday, I don't drink. Um, and it's one of those things where, like, you don't feel like, yeah, so I have so much energy. You just remember what it feels like to not be hungover and how beneficial that is. So that's always a good place to start. Um, but yeah, I went to my physical therapist. Uh, she's always a delight. Little, little tight little body, got a nice, nice back. She's got really strong traps. Just want to mount her like an animal. Uh, professional, I mean, respectfully. Uh, so that was good. I was in front of the uh, bodega or corner store up here, whatever you fucking call it, the deli. And this guy that I see around, he's a transient, shall we say. He's got like a yellow dookie chain, uh, like a poncho, a, a very fancy shopping cart. Uh, almost kind of looks like George Carlin in uh, Bill and Ted, but like Puerto Rican. It looks like a Puerto Rican uh, George Carlin. Uh, but I'm outside this deli and he's like, hey man. And he, he remembered me because I was doing like my street comedy and like we interacted or something. And he said I looked like George Carlin. And I was like, well, I'm certainly not as funny as. Um, but anyway, I saw him and he's like, hey man, can you, I, I'm sure, I'm, hey, I don't have my mask. Can you go in and buy me a pint of milk? I'll pay you when you get out. And I was like, whatever, man, don't worry about it. So I go in, I just buy the pint of milk. Uh, also, I've never bought milk before because I'm fucking lactose intolerant. So like I went up to the lady, like an 11 year old. I'm like, is, is this, this, how many is, how many is a quart? And she had to like go get a quart for me because I just couldn't distinguish what how much a quart was. Uh, so I go back outside and I give it to him and he's like uh, he starts looking for his money. I'm like, dude, don't. I'm like, don't worry about it, man. Like that's on that's on me. And it, I don't mean this to be like a cliche. Like he didn't ask for drugs and I bought him a meal and I'm a good person. That's not what this is. I just remember driving by and he was sitting there drinking the the pint of milk. And it just made me think about like, damn, like that's that dude's like that means a lot. Like not like. Oh, I got a good meal or, oh, I got a cookie. Like he, he just wanted milk. He wanted milk. Uh, this like very basic sustaining, uh, nourishment. And then I see fucking these rich fucks who are walking around with their Colby college crew hats on and their God or, you know, some fucking heavyset lesbian who's dressed like uh, David Byrne in, uh, the, <laughs> a talking heads music video who also has bought a house. And it brought me to this thing where I'm like, one man's misfortune shouldn't, you know, demonize another's success or, you know, acquisition of wealth. But it, they, these people need to be aware that they are living on top of and amongst people whose highlight of their day is someone buying them a pint of milk. And that's my whole thing. Like, I'm not a socialist. I don't believe in, like, we got to stop the rich or we got to, like, tax the rich 90%. Because let's be honest, one day I'm going to be one of these people and I don't want you people taxing me. Um, But that would make me feel so much better about it. If people were just aware of the fact or at least, like, in some way, shape, or form acknowledged that they are a part of this system that creates this huge gap between the wildly rich and the wildly poor. And that's the energy I get. These fucking bio-gentrifiers from Manhattan that come upstate and they're like, oh yeah, we'll just buy these houses and say literally things like, uh, who am I, what am I quoting here? They're like, uh, oh yeah, like, give, uh, you know, I would evict them as soon as possible because I have a buyer that's very interested. You know, like these fucking, like this, 
all white liberals talk about is real estate, and it sickens me. You know, the second they're done, you know, gathering in a park to read a Pete Seeger fucking poem about for Black Lives Matter, they go right back to Trulia. Uh, that's a good joke. Let me use that. Um, so yeah, it just I don't know. It really gave me pause because like I am by no means a fucking activist or a you know philanthropic individual, but this dude just asking me for a fucking pint of milk is like that's what we have to do better about, you know. And, and that's what bothers me. And I have friends who kind of like turn their nose up at these people, but at the same time are like, oh, how could you even consider voting for Trump? And I'm like, well, for a lot of reasons. Number one, Trump's like honest about his shittiness. And that's what I appreciate. These fucking liberals up here, these fucking liberals are so two-faced about who they actually care about. Or they're so, you know, d- duplicitous about like their care stops when it affects their, their dollar. You know, it's like they'll care about disenfranchised people and minorities insofar as that it doesn't affect their comfy lifestyles or uh, their ability to keep making money um, at the expense of these poor people uh, being pushed out. So I don't know. It's all it's all a bit of a nightmare. You know, and there's a there's a very familiar energy that and this is just an energy that I've seen so many times uh in my life, because uh, I just, you know, by the virtue of the schools that I've went to and the types of jobs that I've worked, I just keep having to deal with these people. And as I get older, I'm just more tired of their shit. Um, you know, I was like going to the bank, deposit a check, and I see this guy uh, with a bumper, bumper sticker that says, got food, thank a farmer. And I, I looked up, I'm like, now what kind of guy is this going to be? Is this going to be a toothless dude? With wearing overalls, uh, you know, who's like in his late 60s? Or is it going to be a younger guy with a beard, some chucka boots, and, uh, you know, some Warby Parker glasses on a cell phone? And, of course, it was the latter. And it made me think about, do you think, like, the Iowa farmers who, you know, work on, you know, industrial level agricultural farms or dairy farms or slaughterhouses who are essentially the backbone of this country, for better or worse, for whatever you think about that type of farming, they provide food that prevents us from descending into a Mad Max uh, hellscape as we saw us almost descend into at the beginning of this pandemic. You think they're driving around with like a, God, food, thank a farmer. Or do you think they're more like, that's my job, gotta do it. They, like, I, or, or they may feel that, and I think most people know that, but they wouldn't be so entitled to demand like, respect for their job that they do and i think a lot of these like young like 20 something 30 something you know nouveau farmers in the hudson valley really do this like i'm i'm the most important i'm a farmer i provide expensive uh foraged mushrooms and basil to a restaurant on broom street it's like shut the fuck up yeah like yeah these farmers are like like acting like i don't know you know what i'm saying they're they're not that important God, let me just get a sip of this beer real quick. Hold on. Parched. Mmm. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. All right, I feel good. Any relationship stuff going on? No. <laughs> uh, God, I'm fucking horny. And I don't mean that to be crass. I mean, like, I've been working out more. Like, I've, I think I've been to the gym, like, every other day. Uh, if I'm not at PT, i like, been, been running more, running faster, and, you know. 
just really, because I've seen this like girl at the gym who just had like big ass back and tra- I don't know. I like a I like a woman who's got a big back, like a a nice like a granite slab that fell off the back of. Uh, I got nothing. I don't have any uh, geological metaphors. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wasn't actually very good at geology in school. Anyway, uh, it inspires me to be healthier because uh, it just makes me feel more f- fertile. And on on topic, <laughs> vouch my thirties. I, I I never really understood what it mean to have a, what it meant to have a, a biological clock, but like weirdly, there's just something about when I come and you know it, it's a little, a little crass here, guys. It was, it was between friends here, and you know, we're, you know you've, if you're listening, you uh, I come a lot. I tend to come a lot. And when I come a lot, I'm like, alone and by myself. I'm like, that's kind of a waste. Could have really, could have creamed those guts. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) All right, this is, okay. I haven't beat off today. Maybe that's the problem. Okay, guys. Um, So, again, happy 9-11, which I'm sure is not, Patriot's Day, apparently it's called. Uh, I don't don't know about that. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, Uh... Watch out for uh, these gentrifiers. This is gentrification watch. Uh, I don't know. I need to take a trip sometime soon. Get myself some perspective because I feel like I'm just drowning in this uh, uh, gentrifiers delight uh, upstate New York. And I also don't give a shit, too. I'm like, whatever. It's it's, going to happen. I'm not like trying to stop it, per se. I'm just sort of just tired of people being so fucking obvious. I wish someone would do something novel for once with their lives instead of just being like, oh, well, I'm going to go here now. I'm going to have all of it. Oh, and they're... All right. <laughs> okay, guys, this was fun. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend.